Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This This is Priced Out, a one-hour special from KSL News Radio. We've probably looked at, I don't know, close to 100 houses. Buyers are willing to spend more to outbid their competition. Can we blame people moving here from California with buckets of cash? cash. How to buy a home you can afford in Utah. And what's driving the sky-high market? Priced Out, sponsored by Ivory Homes. A one-hour special from KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, welcome. I'm Jeff Kaplan, and for the next hour, we're going to examine Utah's bubbling, frothy Frothy housing housing market that's made a lot of people feel rich, but left a lot more stuck on the outside looking in. If you're a first-time buyer and you want a house in Utah, it's virtually impossible. If you want to move out of your starter house, it's almost as difficult right now. And if you're an empty nester when you sell, what do you do next? For a street-level view of the affordability crisis, I'd like to introduce you to the realtor who helped me buy the house that we've been living in for, what, five years now? And we've remained friends. Natalie Stark is with Summit Sotheby's International Realty. And how have you been? I've been good. How about you, Jeff? Uh, Well, you you know that little office that you told me would be just perfect for my work? Well, it's been a radio studio for a year now. Uh, You work in this crazy market every day. What are you seeing out there? We are seeing some very interesting things in the market right now. Um, But buyers are, it's a little bit tough for them, but there is opportunity for sure for them to be able to get homes. What kind of opportunity are you seeing out there? Um, So just on the MLS, I looked at the Salt Lake Board of Realtors today. We have 8,863 homes under contract. We have 2,200 homes active, right? So there's inventory. That means buyers are going under contract. Buyers are getting homes. There's opportunities for home ownership in this market. It's just going a lot faster than what buyers are expecting. What are you seeing when you go out on appointments? Someone says, I'd like to make an offer on this house. It's just perfect for me. What happens next? What happens next is be prepared to be in competition. There is a lot of competition right now. Um, there's probably 12 to 15 buyers per home. So I would say the big thing buyers need to do is they need to be a little bit more prepared. They need to be working with a professional, somebody that can help them. They need to be working with a lender, getting pre-approved. They need to be more educated 
before they go out in the market right now. Do first-time home buyers have a shot in this market for a starter home or for a second home, or is it a lost cause at this point? Because you go out there against 12 other offers, isn't somebody going to slide some extra cash into the deal that you, with your FHA loan, can't match? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky. It's a little bit harder for those buyers, for sure. Um, I actually just closed with two first-time home buyers. Um, buyers do need to be prepared to have a little bit extra money. So those that don't have a down payment, those that don't have the extra money, it's going to be more challenging for them to get a home. So that's okay. okay. It's a a warning and Mm -hmm. some hope from Natalie Stark with Summit Sotheby's International Realty. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad you're doing well. And for a bird's eye view, I'd like to turn to Dion Eskick, who is a senior research fellow from the Kemsey Gardner Policy Institute. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay. You have a pile of statistics a mile high, I think. I hope. What stands out to you about this local housing market? The, the rate prices have increased, certainly. You know, we've seen, you know, not just across Utah, but across the country, And what we've seen also is markets that usually don't show up on the map in terms of rate of growth, more of the rural markets we would think of, they were in the top 10 across the country. So we saw a a bigger shift in in people moving out of bigger cities, out of the coast into some of these rural markets. So it's it's brought prices up, certainly. Across our state, you know, we, we look at you know, housing prices have jumped, you know, for example, in Washington County, 32% from last year, went up from about 355000 to 457000 So big drastic shifts in prices. And what, what's also stood out is the number of cash buyers that have entered our market as well. Typically, we see cash buyers come in when prices dip and, and there seems to be some disruptions in the market in a negative way. This time, however, prices have accelerated, but we've also seen a huge jump in cash buyers. Typically, we have something 12 to 13% of total transactions that are cash buyers. In the last three months, we've averaged about 18.5%. So there's a lot of money flowing into the market. And the, the million-dollar question is, are these Californians coming here and just soaking up Utah? Or are they job seekers from elsewhere? Or is it everybody has five kids and they've grown up? What's going on? It, it's it's everybody. It's the Californians. It's people from Seattle. It's other Utahns, you know, that have been in their house for 20, 30 years, bought it maybe at $115,000. And now that house is worth $700,000. So they have a lot of equity that they can take advantage of and upsize. But it's also people moving, you know, we are a hot state, we've been a hot job state for nearly a decade now. So when you combine employment growth with population growth, housing tends to uh, be tight. And we've seen that over the past 10 years, we've had a housing shortage and COVID has exacerbated that problem as your previous guest mentioned just the number of homes for currently for sale is relatively low it's we're 50 60 percent below where we are on average thank you dion dion s kick a senior research fellow from the Kemsey gardner policy institute you know the wall street journal just named salt lake city in provo the number one boom market for jobs in america and as we spend this hour looking for ways to make home buying more affordable 
I want to bring in KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson. Uh, your story, or one of the stories you've done this week, I heard with Tim and Amanda, you got a good look at the problems that some people are having in this market, trying to get some place to live. So, in your research, did you discover anything interesting or hopeful for home buyers? Yeah, matter of fact, there were some um, uh, solutions that uh, hopefully I'm not muted. Um, but there are some solutions that people can kind of look for when it comes to, say, uh, the kinds of homes that can happen. For example, everybody seemed to agree that the problem is based on supply and demand. Demand is way high. Supply is, you know, practically just very, very low right now. So they say one of the best ways to do that is to inc- increase the supply. One way to do that would be that the cities would have to actually kind of lessen their restrictions on the kinds of homes that are being built in their areas. For example, some cities have very strict uh, rules about not just the size of the home, but shapes of the home, the shape of the roof. And when it comes to something like that, uh, developers can't really buy, uh, build, say, townhomes, which are easier for first-time home buyers to get. And those townhomes uh, would be kind of beneficial for those people who are just trying to get into the real estate um, market in the first place, but th- they can't afford the bigger homes that a lot of cities want. Did you come across any hacks that might help people get a house in a bidding war or at least win a bidding war without breaking the bank? Yeah, matter of fact, I spoke with a mortgage analyst, Al Bingham, and he says one thing that people are um, not doing correctly is finding out what their correct FICO score is in order to get a lower down payment. Um, The lenders, they don't use the stuff that we can get on Experian, you know, the typical websites. They use something called the classic FICO score, and you can't get that without paying for it. You have to go to a source like myfico.com, and that's the first thing you can do. And number two, you have to actually find out your score many months, like six months in advance before you start actually looking for anything because you can actually boost your credit score in that time. For example, you can refinance some debt. That'll boost your score. You can close certain accounts. That will also boost your score. But it isn't just homes. Matter of fact, uh, people trying to find low-income apartments, uh, there's uh, so much demand. There's some officials from the Utah Housing Authority from Salt Lake they actually say that they, they need like 5,500 more units just to keep up with the demand that we have now. I spoke with one woman. Her name is Jennifer Hollander, and she talked about just the kind of mad rush that happens when any kind of developer announces, okay, guys, we're going to have some low-income housing available units available now. And this is what she had to say. They send you an email saying apartments are ready. You have to literally drop everything that you are doing at that particular moment and make your way to the apartment and if you don't make your if you, and they don't even give you a time or uh-huh. or, or, a, or a ticket or something to let you know that your number da 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 so you know so i went the next day and they said oh sorry all the apartments are gone it's it was it was gone like that they send out a mass email and if you don't get there in time you're basically squeezed out of the availability. So it's it, it, it's the apartments, it's the houses, it's just people are being squeezed out everywhere right now. We keep calling it a crazy market. There's the definition of a crazy market. Thank you. KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson. If you're watching on Facebook, you can drop your questions in the chat and we'll be answering questions at 12.50, 10 minutes to one on the radio. This special town hall about finding an affordable house continues after the break. We have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to speak with major home builder, KSL reporters, realtors, financial planners. Stay with us. Priced out. 
continues on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Price Out. Our special on affordable housing. See our full week of complete coverage at kslnewsradio.com. Our town hall continues. I'm Jeff Kaplan, and KSL News Radio reporter Dan Bomas has done some work for our Priced Out series this week, which you might have been hearing on the radio. Uh, Dan joins us live, and one of your reports focused on the rental market. Dan, if you can't afford to buy, you gotta rent, and you talk to some people who are getting squeezed by that market. Well, yes, I uh, talked to. Um Ash Anderson and Kate Anderson, who live in Murray, um, they have been renting a, a modest three-bedroom house. Uh, he's an electrician. Uh, she's been home with the COVID pandemic, uh, doing homeschooling with kids, and uh, they were paying about $1,450 a month. Their landlord wants to sell the house, and if you're a property owner, why wouldn't you at this point in time? Uh, can get all, you know as much for that house as uh, you could ever imagine it might have been worth. So he gave them 30 days notice, they have to move. Uh, and uh, they've been trying to find any kind of a place to accommodate themselves and their uh, three kids. Uh, they spotted a, a two-bedroom place with three kids um, in uh, closer to downtown Salt Lake for $2,000. They haven't been able to find anything less than that, and certainly not a, a standalone home like they've been living in. Uh, and so they're kind of in a tough spot. Um, uh, any kind of home for uh, anybody uh, making less than, uh, you know, what uh, Kate described as a middle-class wage is going to have a hard time. Uh, the Utah Housing Coalition, Tara Rollins, was telling me that uh, um, there are people, you know, working in the, the lowest range, what they call 30% of area median income, which is somewhere around uh, $28,000 a year who are paying 70% of their income toward housing costs right now. But uh, Kate, I, I believe we have a, a cut of uh, Kate Anderson saying, you know, for even people with a pretty good income, pretty good wage, it's really tough to, uh, to find any kind of a place. So we're not talking about minimum wage workers here. We're talking about like a middle-class wage. And if we're struggling, I can't even imagine how, Someone who makes a minimum wage can't even afford to live anywhere. Now, one thing we didn't hear uh, from Kate in that report was her proposed solution. She's among those who um, want to see rent control happen in Salt Lake County. And uh, uh, that's something that our elected leaders have not at all been in favor of. And for the course of the entire boom market, Grant Whitaker has been in the middle of it. He served as president of the Utah Housing Corporation, which was created by the legislature decades ago. Their mission is, first of all, to ensure that mortgages are available for Utahns 
and to help find affordable housing for low and moderate income people. And I want to welcome Grant Whitaker to KSL News Radio. Uh, I would guess over the past 10 years, as this market's gotten hotter and hotter, your job has grown harder and harder. Grant Whitaker is with us now uh, from the Utah Housing Corporation. And can I start by asking you this? Uh, we just talked about people who are looking to spend 70% of their income on housing. Isn't there a rule of thumb that you're supposed to use when, when you're trying to figure out how much you can spend on housing? You know, uh, for renters, they indicate that 30% is the right number, and that includes utilities, so all costs for housing. I know that for home ownership, though, you will see, um, and so those numbers for renters are established effectively by HUD, uh, but for home ownership, they also will approve people up to about 50% of income toward all housing costs for ownership. Has it changed over time, because I recall when I was younger and just starting out, they said 25% of your income should go to housing. Seems times change? It has. Uh, I remember in college, they used to talk about two and a half times your salary is, is where you should limit your home purchase price. So yeah, it has changed quite a bit. I would guess over the past 10 years that you've been running Utah Housing Corporation uh, as the market got hotter and hotter, your job has grown a bit harder and harder. You know, it's it's been an interesting period of time, most recently because of home prices going up so much, rental, rental prices uh, going up so much. Um, we have had four or five of the last busiest years we've ever had. I think it could cool off as we start to see just simply a lack of housing out there that's affordable to uh, moderate income people. Now, Utah Housing Housing Corporation was created by the legislature in 1975 under the assumption that the hardest part of buying a house would be getting a mortgage. In this market, it seems the biggest problem is runaway prices. A lot of people can get a mortgage, but only for the appraised value of a house. If people start throwing extra cash at sellers above and beyond appraised value, somebody with a mortgage commitment and a 10% down payment will lose out. Is there anything that you can do, uh, the Utah Housing Corporation can do for those people? Boy, not not really. I mean, it's just it's it, that's why I, I fear a little bit about things cooling off is just simply that it, there isn't anything that I know of short of something that would be detrimental to the entire economy. That would be, a you know, another recession, which nobody hopes for. Well, build our building and we see these bidding wars on new construction as well. You've seen the housing market over an entire career. How long do you think that this housing shortage is, is going to last? Uh, you know, I, I don't see a, uh, an end to it right now because it's, it's caused by a, a shortage of labor. It's caused by a shortage of materials. It's caused by, and in, in Utah, particularly along the Wasatch Front, you know, we're running out of land. And uh, uh, lot prices are going to be going up. And so it's, it's effectively going to require, that's going to require homes to go up, uh, which may mean more high-rise uh, condominiums and so forth in the long run. This week, with, 
we reported the average two-bedroom rental, I think in Salt Lake, it might've been in Utah, but I think in Salt Lake is $1,200. And it seems that luxury apartments are going up on every corner of downtown. And it's a similar story in the suburbs. What are your thoughts about making rentals affordable? Well, that's one of the programs that we offer. We offer uh, bond financing and low-income housing tax credits. Uh, the first, which finances the debt for a developer, and the and the tax credits can provide a substantial amount of equity. That is limited by federal law about how much we have available, but uh, that's something that we do. But even even with that, it's it's still very hard for people to be able to afford those or for developers to be able to make them work for people who are at the below below 50% area median income. Grant Whitaker is the president and CEO of Utah Housing Corporation, and we thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching on Facebook, you can drop a question into the chat. We're going to answer questions at 12.50, 10 minutes to 1. Priced Out will continue after the news. We'll talk about the building boom with the CEO of Ivory Homes. We have a financial planner and a realtor. Our KSL reporters all joining us. Our search for affordable housing will continue. Stay with us. This This is Priced Out, a one-hour special from KSL News Radio. We probably looked at, I don't know, close to 100 houses. Buyers are willing to spend more to outbid their competition. Can we blame people moving here from California with buckets of cash? cash. How to buy a home you can afford in Utah. And what's driving the sky-high market. Priced Priced Out, sponsored by Ivory Homes. A one-hour special from KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon. I'm Jeff Kaplan, and our town hall continues with the number one home builder in Utah for 33 consecutive years. Clark Ivory is the CEO of Ivory Homes, and this is staggering. Ivory has built more than 23,000 single-family homes and 3,000 apartment units over the past three decades. Clark, first of all, thank you for joining us. Last week, the Wall Street Journal called the Salt Lake Provo area the number one boomtown in America, and it's left us with this affordable housing crisis. So what does that look like from a builder's perspective? Jeff, thanks for having us. This has been an incredibly tough year. Um, Everyone thinks it's a great year to be a home builder. I don't know that I would agree with that. This has been perhaps the most challenging year I can remember. Of course, um, we had the the big buildup and boom in 05-06, and then we had the crash. This is nothing like what we felt and saw back then. This is so much more challenging, but it's also, you know, probably this market is so much more stable than what we saw, you know, more than a decade ago. It's interesting, but there is just a shortage of housing and there's a shortage of labor and there's a shortage of material and there's a shortage of land. It's just been difficult for everyone to bring it on. Of course, the Gardner Institute tells us that we're about 50,000 homes short. There have been 50,000 more households created over the last decade than there have been homes built. And so we have this shortage. Where are all these individuals and families? They're doubling up. They're staying with family and friends. They're 
two or three individuals in an apartment that would like to be in their own units. They're waiting for the opportunity to purchase. And this year, since COVID passed, the couple of first couple of months, of course, shut us down. But then since then, housing has become, you know, so such a desired thing for people to be able to get their space, be in their own place, feel safe, know that they can move on and enjoy life. It's been critical. And so a lot of people that have been pent up buyers have come out in the marketplace this year and there haven't been enough homes produced or enough available homes that were existing put on the market for sale. And so it's created a very, very tight market. The toughest thing for us as we entered the new year, we had almost 900 buyers in backlog and we'd committed to hold prices for all of those buyers. And we've had the biggest cost increases we've ever seen. On average, the the, the average size home in the US has moved up in all wood products about $24,000 this year in cost. Concrete has been more difficult to get, they're rationing it. There's a cement powder shortage. We've had difficulty getting appliances from all over the world that get shipped here. There's been all kinds of supply chain disruptions, and it's made it an extremely difficult time for builders to deliver. We're trying to start every single day six homes. That's what we're doing. And and that means we have to finish about six homes every day. But it's really difficult to get all of the materials we need for those homes and to get the labor to complete it. So it's been a very challenging time. And, of course, that means that, that prices have gone up on housing in a big way this year, we figure probably about 12%, but costs have gone up much, much higher than that. And so that is very challenging for a home builder. You mentioned there's a 50,000 home deficit in the state of Utah, and then you mentioned starting six homes a day. How long is it going to take us to get rid of this backlog? You know, it's going to take us a significant number of years with everyone figuring out what we can do on every level. It's not just providing homes that I'm building, but it's how do we also deliver more affordable apartment homes? What do we do at every point in the process to make sure that new housing is coming on? And we're working on that too. We're working with you know, the preservation fund, the Utah Housing Preservation Fund, which was formed just uh, about two years ago that is bringing on hundreds and eventually thousands of new units for those at the very bottom end of the ladder that need the most affordable apartments in our community. We're working with a workforce housing initiative, too, where we set aside about 200 of our homes per year that we don't let get bid up that are available for our school teachers, our firefighters, our police officers, you know, those on the front lines, including our subcontractors and suppliers that are in the trenches every day. We're delivering these homes for these people at an incredible price that makes it possible for them to have homes. And there's lots of other builders and lots of other nonprofits that are working on this as well. And I'm very grateful to our governor and our legislature who really stepped up this last session and provided additional funding that will help for new construction of very affordable apartments, but also for the preservation fund and for homelessness. It's a big deal. It is. Thank you, Clark. Clark Ivory, the CEO of Ivory Homes and Priced Out. This KSL Town Hall program is brought to you by Ivory Homes. 
We've spent a lot of time talking about home buyers, but let's talk about existing homeowners for a minute. First of all, congratulations. Your home is likely appreciated by amounts that you never expected over the past few years. Even as Clark Ivory said, in the past year alone, it's almost like you're living in a gold mine. Or is it? KSL News Radio's John Wojcik worked on our Priced Out series this week. He's joining us live. John, you looked at how this market is impacting homeowners, and I just want to ask, did you find any homeowners who were lighting cigars with $100 bills? You know, I, I didn't. There may be those people out there, but I didn't find them. What I what I found is that this is kind of a gray issue. When you look at renters or when you look at people trying to buy, it's pretty black and white. They're in a tough spot. If you own a home right now, on one hand, like you said, Jeff, if maybe you bought your house 10 years ago and just the past five or four years, you've seen that equity go way up on your property. On the other hand, though, if you want to move elsewhere, if you want to live closer to loved ones, closer to work, maybe be in a specific school district, it's not a great situation because of where the market's at right now. So what I found talking to a lot of individuals is they're kind of in a waiting period right now. I did speak to one person, Brian Rhodes, who moved here a couple of years ago from Illinois. So he's kind of uh, representative of a lot of people in Utah who have come from elsewhere and are trying to find some stability. And uh, if we have the audio, let's hear from Ryan here about his experience. It's just wild, like having to have like 5% down payment, plus your closing costs, plus this additional money that people want above appraisal. Um, and a couple of the properties, even here in West Valley, there were 67 offers like on a single house. Like, and that's just like one example. And West Valley is eventually where he did find a home, and it was a situation where they got into a bidding war. They paid over the appraisal price, but he said he's just relieved to, after a year find a place. 67 bids. Well, listen to this. A Utah home that was worth $256,000 five years ago is worth 401000 That's median sales price. Up 10% this year alone, and it's only April. And that gives homeowners a silent tax hike. Your home gets a higher valuation. Suddenly your taxes go up 10%, even though nobody raised the tax rate. John, are people worried about this? I think they are. And I, well, another person I spoke to was uh, James Wood with Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. And they put a report out just this past December saying that in the past five years, housing prices for a median sale for house has gone up over 60%. So you talk about the tax hike, that's not going away anytime soon. So I think a lot of people are getting into a starter home or they're finding kind of an in-between home and they're not really thinking down the line. It's kind of we're reverting back to the days of our grandparents, maybe a little bit where you find a house and maybe you just stay there. It's I think maybe at least for now gone are the days of you buy a house and you say, okay, in 15 years, I know I'm going to be elsewhere. I, I'm going to have kids. We're going to want a bigger place. Nobody's thinking about that right now. They're saying, can I find a place? Okay, good. I'm going to stay there. If you have a house right now, who wants to sell their house and then spend, you know, maybe a year trying to find that next place? And you might not even be able to pick the neighborhood that you move to. So a lot of people are just stuck in a holding pattern right now. Good point. KSL News Radio's John Wojcik. Hey, we've been compiling your questions on Facebook and we'll be joined by a longtime realtor, a financial planner and more coming up after the break. We continue the search for affordable homes next. Priced Out will continue on KSL News Radio. Out, an exclusive one-hour special on affordable housing. See our full week of complete coverage at kslnewsradio.com.
We're assembling your questions right now on Facebook and on the KSL text line 57500. Joining us live, uh, three guests to answer your questions. You'll meet a realtor from Draper, and you'll meet the head of the Salt Lake Housing Authority. But first, uh, from... Deseret Mutual, DMBA, Certified Financial Planner, Shane Stewart, joins us. Hi, Shane. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm okay. So I have this idea. I've owned my house about four years, right? Say I sell it, and there's a bidding war, and I'm flush with cash. So I just go rent someplace nice for a couple of years, wait for the market to cool down, and then I buy a house in a cha-cha mountain community. What do you think? Will it work? You're, you're counting heavily on the markets going back down in a cycle. And as we've heard, it might take some time for that to work out, right? So you might be waiting a little longer, maybe living in my basement, something like that, until you're, until you're ready. But that could work. And in fact, those that are selling right now, sure, they're flush with cash. But where do you go next? That's the biggest problem. And so I, I like the idea of a few people that said, hey, why don't you stay where you are and see how this goes? It is, in fact, cyclical, even though it may take some time. It's always cyclical, and once it, once that levels out, you might be in a buyer's market again. You know, when people are throwing money at houses like this, you have to wonder, how much are you supposed to spend on a house? Aren't yeah. there income-to-debt ratios that, as a financial planner, you advise people that they should avoid going too high or low? Absolutely, and in fact, you mentioned in your college days, thought it was in the 25% range. It's still that, 28% of your monthly income should go to your uh, housing expenses. As Grant mentioned, that still seems to keep creeping up, and it does. And it can, for example, if you're an average person with an average salary, you should be able to afford a mortgage of about $1,400 a month. But as you mentioned, the median house is about $400,000 or $1,700 a month just for the mortgage. You have a little bit of a problem there. You're more like 33 or 35%. <clears throat> but as a financial planner, I'd give a word of caution. Just be careful not to get swept up in the excitement of this bidding war and get yourself in a, in a mortgage that's way more than maybe you should afford. You can qualify for up to 50%, but you should be more in the 35% range, maybe even down to the 28% of your income range. Because I don't want to have people five years from now, as I sit down with them, say, well, we had to get a big, bigger mortgage because of this bidding war. It might be that you need to stay put where you are if you can't afford to go much higher and wait for that cycle to, to play itself out. Thanks so much, Shane. And uh, also joining us, Realtor Chad Wagstaff from Century 21 Everest in Draper. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I have a text from a listener that says, and uh, maybe you're best to answer this question, with how expensive housing is right now, should I wait until the bubble bursts or buy what I can right now? So, yeah, I get this question quite a bit, actually. And um, I feel like the buyers that have the most success are those who try to get into whatever they can right now, as long as it fits within you know, their financial limits obviously we need to be smart and not you know get people to be house poor but you know a lot of you know 10 years ago it was very common for people to buy a starter home that was single family and had a nice yard and a garage and those types of things and you know nowadays the starter home is a condo a lot of times in the valley so um, my best advice is to take advantage of the low interest rates that we have right now 
and try to get into what you can afford and make it work. Because most of the time, you know, renting, people don't put away as much savings as maybe they think that they will. And they're in the same position two or three years down the road and values have gone up. So you're advising don't overextend yourself and get that stone fireplace you've always dreamed of. Just keep it real and get into the game. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay, thanks so much. That's Chad Wagstaff from Century 21 Everest and Draper. We're also joined by the executive director of the Salt Lake Housing Authority. Daniel Knackerman has been in this business for more than 20 years, and I'm guessing in this superheated environment, you're seeing a lot of friction between landlords and tenants. Yes, Jeff. Uh, uh, the tenants have been protected kind of during the COVID period nationwide, through a variety of federal programs as far as rents. And it looks like that protection of of tenants uh, from being evicted will continue for the next few months. But the demand for affordable apartments has always been high in the United States for the last 10 to 15 years. And it's particularly high now. We have, uh, we've had as many as 6,000 families on our waiting list and the County Housing Authority, which is a similar-sized agency, uh, has had uh, similar wait lists. So people that need affordable housing, it can take sometimes two, three, four years to rent an apartment in our various programs. And uh, people hear that term, Section 8. It's uh, There's about 20 different types of affordable rentals in this country, and About 1.5% of the U.S. population receives rental assistance, and it's not free rent like people think it is. It's usually people paying 30 to 40% of their income for rent, and the federal government uh, either directly or indirectly uh, subsidizing the rest. But, yes, with these skyrocketing rents in Salt Lake, um, the average rents in our county are now a one-bedroom average is $1,042 a month. Man. A three-bedroom average is $1,490. So, and, and landlords uh, don't want a lot of bureaucracy now, so they are, are starting to not really want to participate. So most agencies are trying to keep their rent structures high enough to keep land, private landlords interested. We pay about 1,800 private landlords every month to help us house almost 10,000 people in the Salt Lake uh, Valley. That's a help, but at this point, it's really not enough. The mayor has made affordable housing one of the tenants of her election campaign. So there are, are there any new programs coming down the pike in Salt Lake City? Yeah, there's a lot of new programs and a lot of new funding, frankly. The state, as uh, Mr. Ivory mentioned, the state has stepped up to the plate with a $50 million piece of funding to help with affordable, as well as some fantastic matching type funds. Uh, There's a lot more housing for very specialized populations like veterans. In fact, we're the largest uh, previously homeless veteran houser in the state of Utah. And it looks like, uh, you know, the, the future is very bright on that front where There may well be no more homeless veterans in our city under the mayor's leadership in the next year or so. But, yes, there are especially programs. We just built 100 units. We're also an active developer. 
we just built 100 units for permanent supportive housing mm. of people who have been previously homeless. Uh, we built a 15-unit uh, property for persons with severe and persistent mentally ill. Well, we're so, running short on time, so I, I'm sorry. Well, no I don't problem. mean to uh, interrupt you. Daniel Nackerman, no the executive director of the Salt Lake Housing Authority. And let me ask this one question as we wrap up, and this is for our realtor, Chad, Chad Wagstaff. With condos being the new starter home, a texter asks, is resale value something that you should worry about if you're buying a condo? Um, I mean, it's always good to be strategic about what you're buying and your timeline of how long you think you'll stay in the property. So I do not recommend getting into a condo that's already too small for you and needing to sell it in one to two years. Um, but yeah, condos and townhomes appreciate slightly slower than something detached. Uh, but the truth of the matter is everything in the Valley has appreciated quite rapidly over the last few years. And we're not seeing a sign of that stopping. Well, uh, I think what I'm seeing over the course of this show is don't overextend yourself and take what you can get. Be willing to compromise on your dream home. And we've been covering the American dream this past hour, priced out our town hall about finding affordable housing and thank you for listening thank you to chad wagstaff from century 21 everest and draper thanks to certified financial planner shane stewart from dmba and of course to the salt lake housing authority director daniel knackerman thank you for listening i'm jeff kaplan this has been our town hall priced out brought to you by ivory homes A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.